This podcast comes with a trigger warning, as the main topic of conversation for each episode is mental health. Topics discussed may be distressing for some listeners. Welcome to the Their Story podcast, a place to share the good and the bad of mental health and well-being through storytelling. This is an EJG creative podcast produced for the Well in the Wheatbelt community project. This project focuses on helping the people of the Wheatbelt Western Australia turn mental health into a priority instead of an afterthought. I have put off writing and recording this podcast for quite a while. It is quite confronting to write your whole mental health journey out like this and I needed to be in a good headspace to do so. I originally wanted to jump straight into telling other people's stories but I didn't feel like I could ask other people to tell such a deeply personal journey without opening up about mine first. My name is Alyssa Cardritis and my mental health journey started 10 years ago when I was 14 or 15. It was about this time that I went from being a normal, happy-go-lucky teenager to a teenager who didn't want to leave the bed, much less their house. I spent the end of year 10 and year 11 in my house doing school via distance education and not communicating with anyone other than teachers when necessary and my family. My poor family copped it a lot. I wasn't just sad, I was angry but I didn't know what I was angry at. I snapped at everyone. I barely left my bedroom. My little brother didn't know me until he was probably three or four because I spent the first couple of years of his life cooped up in my bedroom and yelling or snapping when I did venture out. My family didn't know how to help me. They hadn't experienced this before. I remember on the rare days that I did attend school out of necessity, like in-person meetings and supervised tests, I would usually be pulled out of class at some point the chaplain, the school principal, the school psychologist, and different teachers. They all got the same response. I was fine and there was nothing to talk about. Eventually, I couldn't take the anger and the feelings of emptiness, the feelings of worthlessness, and sometimes the feeling of nothing at all, just feeling numb. I could not do it anymore. My mum and I visited a GP, followed by a psychologist, and I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and something to do with anger. I don't remember what she called it, but I remember thinking it was just a broad term for being angry. I didn't last long at that psychologist. I couldn't connect with her and therefore found myself lying about how I was feeling because I just wanted to get out of the appointment. At some point in year 12, I did the work to pull myself out of a depressive episode. It was a realisation that I needed to put the work in to get where I wanted. It was like climbing out of that deep, dark hole. I started hanging out with people, going to parties, going to school. Hell, I was even the house captain in my last year. The feelings I was having, they weren't gone, but they were dull. They were manageable. I would still have short periods of depressive episodes, but I was managing. During high school and for a couple of years after it, I dabbled in self-harm, different ways that would be less detectable. It usually got to that when I was feeling particularly out of control over things. When I was rejected from the Navy, when I had a car accident with my little brother in the car, when I was not getting along with the new manager at my job and eventually had to quit, small cuts in coverable areas, hitting myself with heavy objects and burning myself with boiling water. Between the end of high school in 2015 and 2021, I went through multiple depressive episodes, but there isn't really anything that is worth talking about. Some episodes were me not leaving the house, me not eating, me not sleeping. After the suicide of a friend, I started my first antidepressant tablets. It took me a couple of different types of antidepressants to find the one that worked for me. The first made me sleep for about 20 hours a day. The second made me not want to eat and vomit when I did. I'm still on the third now. I've been through a couple of psychologists and psychiatrists. 
Some notable ones include a $400 for 45-minute psychiatrist who told me I was simply doing too much, an old white guy, a psychologist who told me to take a holiday. Eventually, I did find a great professional team that I love and trust. But it is okay if you don't connect with the first professionals you ask for help from. In 2021, I fell pregnant. I was in a good place and had been for a while, so we decided to begin trying for a baby. My aim throughout the whole nine months was that I was going to put my mental health first. I was going to look after myself mentally in order to make sure that I could look after my baby. This meant I stayed on my medication throughout the pregnancy. I chose to have a scheduled C-section so I knew when and where I was going to have a baby. And I chose not to breastfeed from the get-go. I also chose to give birth in a private hospital. This allowed my partner to stay with me during the time I was there. I started struggling once the newborn bubble wore off. My baby was not a great sleeper for the first couple of months and that really started affecting my mental health. On the doctor's notes, my diagnosis went from depression to postpartum depression. I felt like this was me failing at being a mother, like I was failing my baby and failing my family. Knowing I felt this way, my GP found me a new psychiatrist that he knew I would connect with. And I did connect with her and I still do. She made me feel like I was being listened to, like actually listened to. She didn't dismiss my feelings as just being doing too much or being in need of a holiday. After bi-weekly sessions for two months, she changed my diagnosis. This was confronting. I went from being just depressed and just anxious to having recurring depressive disorder, general anxiety disorder, ADHD, and borderline personality disorder. It felt like a big step, but in the wrong direction. She adjusted my medications and increased the dosage of my antidepressants, added in a mood stabilizer, as well as some ADHD medication. Once everything started working as it should, I felt lighter. I felt like the heaviness in my chest was not as heavy, and it stayed like this for about a year. Sure, I still had my depressive episodes, but there was longer between them and they weren't as severe. My last couple of depressive episodes, That was when I knew it was time to go back and revisit those medications and their dosages. I was getting up every day out of necessity. I had a son to take care of and a business to run, but I felt like I was on autopilot. Everything felt heavy. Everything felt harder than it should have been. I wondered if my son would be better off without me. I knew he couldn't hear my thoughts or the way I was feeling, but how was this affecting him? I couldn't get the thought out of my head. What if this just went away? What if I just went away? Would that be better for him? The lighter feelings, the time when I wasn't feeling heavy, they were few and far between. The harder times were increasing in frequency and not only was it affecting me, it was affecting my family and my work. Once upon a time, I would enter these periods and do nothing at all. But because I had responsibilities, I run my own businesses and projects and I have a family, it meant I knew I had to get the work done. I had to get out of bed. It just meant I was doing the bare minimum. I was doing what I had to do to get by. A visit to the psychiatrist resulted in her trying to convince me to be admitted as an inpatient. I considered it for a little bit, but I realized I wouldn't get the intended result from being admitted. I would be stressing about where my son was, even though he would have been in good hands. I would probably be in tears constantly wanting to be with him, to be at home. And when I wasn't thinking about that, I would be stressed about my businesses and my clients. And I decided against it. But... The suggestion seemed to change something in my brain. That little brain flip, as well as an increase in dosages of my medications, they have helped for the past month or two. 
which is where I am now. I don't feel my best, but I also don't feel my worst. I feel like I'm on the right track at the moment, but who knows how long I will feel like that. But I do hope I continue to feel better and better. If not, I'll deal with that when it comes along. It was incredibly hard to sum up 10 years of pain into a simple narrative like this. I know I have missed things that would have been important, but through Well in the Wheat Belt, I am sure I will have more chances to speak on my journey and answer questions that people might have on my journey to this point. I am incredibly proud and excited for the Well in the Wheat Belt project, including this podcast. I have big plans for this project and I am excited to help the Wheat Belt community make their mental health a priority and not an afterthought. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Their Story as part of the Well in the Wheat Belt project. If you would like to talk about your mental health journey on this podcast or as an interview, please let us know.